This, this, this is you. K U T. K U T. Austin. Stop. I used to get mad at my And welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jennifer. And how are you today? I am doing very well. You know, it's kind of nice outside. You're the here. The weather's changing. Weather's fall. I know we hit that on the calendar a little while ago, yeah, but but now the weather's finally changing. So it, it's a good day. Good. It's a good day. Good. It's a good day. You know, I know for some students who are in higher education right now, this can get to be a bit of a stressful time of the semester because mm. at certain years they're starting to be asked to pick a major, <laughs> like when they're three. When they're <laughs> Well, you know, it it seems to go back further and Three further. I know there are there are public high school systems that ask students to sort of choose a track or yeah. choose a particular kind of line mm-hmm. of courses that is not everything they take, but it kind of, you know, it dictates some of their course selections, well, even and, for high school. And in Europe, of course, you literally pick that, like when you go into gymnasium and you've got to basically say, am I going to be an engineer? Am I going to be a this or that? And then you just start immediately. But it seems to me, I just think this is a really interesting question, because what I wonder is, you know, in higher education, students are maybe, what, 18 or 19 or 20 when they're asked to choose. I'm not even sure that, I don't know if, well, I know I didn't know at that age what I wanted to do. I had no idea that this is what I was going to wind up doing. And I chose, my major was completely different. Right. And, and. The sad, first of all, there's an interesting physiological reality, which maybe I shared with you on on a previous episode, I can't remember, which is that physiologically, we are not fully formed human beings until we're into our 30s, or maybe even early 30s, or like in my case, very, very late 30s, or maybe it's still going on. But but the truth is our brains aren't full. So here we are making uh, decisions about a future that we can't predict, and we don't even, we're not even ourselves. We not physiologically are not ourselves. And yet there are institutions that ask students to declare who they're going to be. And I just think that's that's really counter to any type of edu- formal education that is designed to allow people to become a better version of themselves. So let's say we threw out the concept of choosing a major, I'm just going to say sophomore year in college, because right. that's, that's when, when I, happens. That's that's when I had me. to choose me one. Too. And some people, I will say, I had classmates who already knew what that's they right. wanted to do and they stuck with it. I have some who changed or never really knew. But let's say we could throw out that concept of a major right. or choosing a major. So how do you then help students get to some focused thinking about what they may want to do after school? Or at least how do you then help them create a plan of study that maybe, you know, has some cohesion around an area of interest? What could we replace that whole process with that would make more sense? Well, so the first thing, so my first reaction to what you just suggested is, number one, there's nothing wrong with having a working hypothesis. Sure. So I do like students, even as they come in as first years, to have, you know, here are three things I might be interested in. I'm interested in art history, engineering, and maybe psychology. 
great. And now use that as your working hypothesis and prove it right or prove it wrong. But I do like that. So I like to have something there, right? But not a commitment, not a goal, which mm -hmm. is a very different psychological thing. That's number one. So it's okay to have some ideas, um, but don't be locked into them. Number two, uh, yeah, I agree with you. That most places, including Southwestern University, the, the sophomore year, toward the end of the sophomore year is when you really have to declare, although we allow people to declare earlier, which, which frankly, personally, I'm not a big fan of because then it locks people in. Uh, I would love it. Now, look, I'm a, a liberal arts and science guy, right? I, I studied there. I spent my entire year, uh, career teaching uh, and, and working at these type of places. My philosophy is let that go as, as long as possible and let people continue to explore all the areas of human thought, whether they're in the humanities or the fine arts or the social sciences or the natural sciences. And then as that journey progresses, I would hope that naturally the, that kind of a funnel would begin to kind of come down and there would be a little bit more and more focus. And maybe now you're down to three possibilities and they're all living in the same general area intellectually. And then you kind of pick one from that. Uh, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see people declaring majors when they really f are intellectually kind of fired up about the thing rather than it's time to do it. Well, and what you're saying also makes me wonder, I'm thinking back to my college experience where the the college I went to had three divisions. Right. And so courses were grouped into mm -hmm. one, division one, division two, or division three, and they right. had a distribution requirement. Right. And it was fairly minimal. It was to take two courses from each division. That's right. So, for example, if you didn't really consider yourself kind of a math and science person, there were options in that division that weren't heavy duty. Right. But I'm wondering, you know, there's always a debate about should there be division requirements or not, or should we make students take? It sounds like you're saying that maybe that's not such a bad idea because no. it might help them explore a little and bring some of that thinking to the process. Yes, I, I think there's got to be a lot of student agency, but I think having guideposts, uh, that's important. And and so at Southwestern, we have uh, four uh, areas, uh, which are the the fine arts, the natural sciences, the social sciences, and the humanities. So it, it parallels to the experience you had. And we uh, expect students to explore uh, courses in all of those areas. And, and But they get to pick them and decide how they're going to kind of explore those areas. So there's a lot of flexibility there. But yeah, I, I think that there is value. Again, this is through the lens of a liberal arts and science person who, for for whom that means exploring a diversity of lenses through which to see the world. And if all you're going to do is study mathematics or if all you're going to do is study art history, you're not going to see that diversity. And so if you get out of your comfort zone and take that economics class and take that anthropology class and take that physics class, all of a sudden now you can see how the world of ideas fit better together. For that process while students are exploring and they're they're right. kind of beginning to narrow down, how can teachers and classmates and administrators help a student realize when he or she is kind of landed on the, oh, yeah, I think this is it. A student may come across a class, maybe kind of like it, maybe not, maybe not do well, but still be excited by it. How do you help them sort of sort through all of that to know that eh, actually... You know, I didn't really think English was going to be it, but I'm loving these discussions. Maybe right. this is it. Exactly. And, and you're hoping that the instructor or mentor advisor would pick up on that, that enthusiasm and then, and then 
challenge that student. If that, if that student's saying, no, I'm supposed to be pre-med, but I'm loving reading all this poetry. Well, then I'm hoping someone will take the interest to stop that person and say, let's talk about this for a second, because maybe this is something that could be meaningful, important for you that could have an impact. And, and uh, I think it was last week or sometime recently, we talked about um, promotion. Here is a positive example of promotion. Look in my field, by the way, a field that traditionally tried to dissuade women from engaging in mathematics, right? Women in math, women can't do, and girls can't do math and all that nonsense, right? Slowly over time and over generations, we're seeing that uh, change for the better, thank goodness. But when you see a student who happens to be female drawn to math, but in her own mind has the bias, well, I'm, I'm not a math person, it is our responsibility, and I've had the pleasure of engaging in conversation with some of these students to say, you're talented at it. You seem to love it. You, you seem to thrive in it. Have you thought about math? And I love it when we actually get people, again, independent of gender and other issues, to, to see, well, I hadn't thought about that, but now that I think about it, yes. And to me, that's when education does its thing, which, as you know, is to mess things up, right. to mess up those plans. <laughs> and that's what, so that's a moment. That's an epiphany that's wonderful. All right. So let's, um, let's mess up the puzzler. You want a, an epiphany now? I, I, yeah, I think I may need an epiphany now. All the, right. Shall I remind puzzler, everyone from last yes, week? Yes, please remind everybody about the puzzler from last week. Very silly puzzler. You're in a room and you want to escape, and there are two doors to this room. One door leads you to a glass room where the glass is convex in such a way that it basically is like a magnifier, and so the, that beaming hot sun kind of comes in, and whatever's in that room kind of fries up immediately. And in the other door, that leads you to a room where, in fact, you have a, a fire-breathing dragon. And the question is, how do you escape? So as I tend to do sometimes, I may have overthought this just a tad. I love it. In, in coming up with my answer. It may be a bit complicated, oh, but... Oh, we can take it. All right. So here's, here's my scenario for getting out of this alive. Okay. You throw open both doors. All right. All right. Oh. And, and you... <laughs> now this sounds even silly as I'm saying it. <laughs> all right. Throw open both doors. The dragon who has been cooped up in the room mm. will come out... Be curious and will enter through the other door <laughs> and will get singed by the sunlight and, and burned. burned. So up. you're safe. <laughs> you can then get out however you want. You can go out the dragon room because the dragon will have been burned up in the very hot room. Yeah, I give you not only full credit, but I give you bonus points for creativity. <laughs> that that I had not heard that solution before, and I like it. Now, of course, you have to find a way to get the dragon well, to go into that room. There, and there so are that few, could be a... Yeah, there are a few logistical uh, If the dragon's hungry that, and sees right. you and, and sees you as maybe You have food. to hide precisely in the right spot. And, mm. the you know, if the doors are across from each other, the dragon could probably run straight across. Not sure mm. how you make a dragon turn. <laughs> the tail might get stuck. I don't know. Is, is there a hiding place or not? See, I actually it, right. thought of it as, as a room with nothing in it. Right. But, but, I mean, you but have if you had a hiding place. You have to sort of crouch in a corner, I right, think. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't know. I, there's no way to test this, right? Because we don't have a dragon. Okay, now, so so is that your that's your interesting, funny, and, and complicated solution? Did you have a simpler solution? Well, that, that, that is that was your, sim that's all my right. simpler so, solution. So think about it for a second. Where would you like to go? What room would you like well, to I go into? Well, I would prefer it? not to enter the room with a fire-breathing dragon. Okay, so then why would you not go into the first door? Well, the first door because you will get singed by the sun. So, yeah, so how would you then avoid... Not being singed by the sun. 
Well, I mean, I'm trying to think of, so what are the ways to protect yourself from the sun? But as you say, the room you're in is you empty. You need SPF, like a, right. billi- a billion. You said there's water. Maybe if it's in a bowl, you put no, the bowl on your no, head. No. I don't know. The sun. Think Now think about time. Time. So you need a time when the sun isn't there. You need nighttime. Exactly. So you, that's interesting because, you know, we several episodes ago, we talked about assumptions and the assumptions mm-hmm. that we bring to situations. I think I assumed that this was- You had was to get a, out immediately. Exactly. That nope. a problem that needed immediate solving and that you had to get out like right then. Sometimes time but, can be a useful thing. And and this is, again, an example of not only effective thinking, but mindfulness. The idea of just waiting patiently. The sun goes down. Then you can just happily walk into that room and leave the fire breathing dragon behind. And you don't. Yes. You don't have to worry about a dragon encounter. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, good for you. So, but I like I, I like your first answer well, the best, by the way. As I say, I, I may have overthought it just uh, a hair brilliant, in, brilliant, in getting to that. Brilliant. But, what uh, was your, by the way, uh, what was your major? So my major, my undergraduate major was psychology. And I had the college I went to also had a minor, which yep. was very informal. If you took five courses in a department, that was a minor. Right. And I actually had a minor in theater. Interesting. And I think both serve you really well in your job, although it's not a a natural step A to step B to get you from theater and psychology to being the greatest morning edition host on NPR's history. Thank you. It, it, you know, it's a bit of brilliant reverse engineering, because if I started now and said, huh, what majors might be helpful in this psychology and theater have proven to be eminently helpful? I just didn't know that at the time. But by the (laughs) way, you're bringing up as as a little bit of a, a lighthearted moment, a very important point. That, in fact, it is the reverse engineering that is the key, that you will, you will actually find your own path. And, and there's forks in the road at every single juncture. But once you get to that destination, and I, I dare not say final destination, because, of course, we're always changing. But once you get to any destination and look backwards, it all makes sense. And that's why the major itself is not as important as the experience and the growth opportunities that come from that major. Major. And and that's why you hear so many people, especially in the liberal arts and science, talk about how it doesn't even matter what your major is. As long as you're involved and interested and engaged, you will have that growth experience that will allow you to become better and to figure out the next thing you do. And that leads you to the next thing. And that over time, you're actually optimizing or maximizing your both happiness and utility because you're constantly going toward your passion. Does it really not matter, though? I mean, it's got to matter a little bit. Listen, I was a a math major uh, and a computer science minor. I was a couple of courses shy of philosophy, and I was one course shy of economics. I honestly, in my heart, feel that it doesn't matter. There you have it, folks. (laughs) You heard it here first. Feel, not think. Oh, and we talked know, about that. But I do feel that it doesn't matter. So that's that's an emotional response, not an intellectual answer. And we have talked about the difference. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Ed Berger, thank you. He is president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. You can find out more at southwestern.edu. And you can keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org. You can also find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News.